being um, a, an economy and finance minister is not a pleasant job. In the current context of my own country, Guinea, I keep repeating it to the young people uh, because it seems, you know, it, 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 some people view these positions as uh, being the holy grail. Everybody wants to become a minister without even understanding the, the huge responsibility uh, that, that then rests um, on your shoulder. It's a huge responsibility. Uh, you have, to, and when you are there, you are there to serve. Um, I, I like the, the English term, you know. Um, I mean, minister uh, is a civil servant, uh, and I like that that English word, civil servant. Uh, and when you look also at the, the etymology of that word, which is which comes from Latin, it means to serve. Hello, and welcome to the Brentus Foundation podcast. I'm your host, Marina Wawungokolo, and it's a pleasure to be here with you today. This is the podcast where I interview the best and brightest on some of the African continent's biggest and most pressing issues and leverage best practice, not just on what to do, but how to do it. The hope is that these conversations start many more for you and lead to the generation of ideas that work, ideas that make a difference. My name is Marina Wangokolo, and I'm excited to have this conversation today. So on today's episode, I will be speaking with a remarkable daughter of the soil. The woman I'm speaking about has over 24 years of experience in international development. Between 2016 and 2018, she served as the first female minister of economy and finance in the Republic of Guinea where she was instrumental in leading key strategic negotiations to secure more than $20 billion for Guinea's ambitious infrastructure program. Joining me on the Brentus Foundation podcast today is Ms. Malado Kaba. Prior to her ministerial position, she was country head for the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change in Guinea, advising leaders and senior officials in government on both policy and program implementation. She's also worked as an economist for the European Commission in different countries. Ms. Kaba also sits on the advisory board of the African Women Leadership Fund, is a board trustee at the International Budget Partnership, and more recently, she was appointed chairwoman of Aura Bank Guinea. In 2018, she founded Famile Conseil, a consultancy firm providing strategic advice to both private and public sectors and is a member of the Guinean private sector platform. And today she is my guest. This conversation was so lovely and extraordinary that we had to share it in two parts. So let's get straight into part one of my chat with Ms. Malado Kaba. So Ms. Kaba, it's good to have you here. Welcome. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you, and I hope you're also doing great, and thanks for having me on this pod- on this podcast. Yes, I'm excellent, especially because you're here. So to get us sort of started, walk us through January 6, 2016, you were appointed the first female Minister of Economy and Finance of Guinea. Can you walk us through what those first sort of few days like, um, what those first few days were like, you know, um, were they even in handovers? Was it intentional? Do you have things like orientation? How did you figure out what needed to be your strategic priorities? Tell us all in glorious detail what the experience was. <laughs> Um, so first of all, you know, I, I, I want to start by um, saying that um, this was um, 
I mean, it it it, it wasn't a hazard, right? Um, I've been I had been working in in the in the field of macroeconomic policies and, and management for about uh, uh, more than twenty years. Um, and I started my career actually in that ministry 20 years ago. So when I was appointed, um, it was just 20 years almost to date that I became the head of this department where I started my career. So wh mm. why am I saying this is that because I, I believe that, you know, we, we don't, I mean, it wasn't a dream, but you know, you know what they say that you, you don't just uh, dream your dream, you, you have to create it, right? Um, and, and I think they, they all along, uh, even though I couldn't really understand that, but I think there was a path towards this, uh, this position, mm -hmm. this important step in my career. Um, and so when I, when I started, you know, I, I, let's also put a little bit of context. My country was emerging for the, the dramatic Ebola outbreak, just like uh, Liberia and, and Sierra Leone. Um, yes. who were the hardest, uh, you know, the, the most, uh, the, the hardest hit countries uh, in the Western region. Um, and so obviously we had a lot uh, on our hands. We had to uh, work on the, 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 the macroeconomic fundamentals to, to put them back on track. Uh, we also had to, to mend um, the relationships with our uh, with major uh, um, development partners as, as there had been some some issues previously um, and so the, the idea was obviously also to to work on the business climate in order to uh, get back uh, uh, needed needing uh, sorry needed um, foreign direct investment uh, uh, into the country um, so, you know, the, the, the issues, I mean, the, the work was quite uh, uh, tailored for us, you know, uh, right. work on the fundamentals um, and obviously for me getting to know the, the, the other pressing issues that we had um, in that department. Uh, but what was interesting is that um, of I had... I had been in the, not in the ministry, but, you know, I was, uh, before I was appointed, I was uh, head, I was the country head for uh, Tony Blair uh, uh, Invest, uh, Tony Blair Institute for Global Change um, from 2014 to 2016, uh, coming back from uh, my posting in South Africa. Um, and so I was based in the presidency, so I had already some kind of um, pre, let's say, some kind of preparations, you know, on what yeah. what would be coming uh, uh, very strangely. Uh, but I think it's also destiny, you know, that that, that does that somehow. Um, so I knew what the, the main issues were. Right. Uh, and, and, and so I think I've been, uh, I also call this luck uh, at the same time. So... I knew what was coming on my way, <laughs> more or less. Yeah, no, that's yeah. excellent. But what did, what did it feel like when you started in terms of having to actually do, you know, the job that was set out in front of you? Like, what were some of the things that were going through your mind, some of the things you had to manage, some of the things you had to deal with? What was that like, those moments, if you remember them? Um, yes, I remember. I remember then, but it, it, it's you know, it's it's just uh, for me. It was very important to to prioritize, mm. uh, to understand what the the biggest issues were and what I should uh, focus on in the first place. Yeah. And uh, as I said, um, you know, 
coming out from an Ebola epidemic which had uh, damaged uh, our country both uh, economically and socially. Mm -hmm. um, the work was quite uh, quite easy. We also had uh, to uh, we we went off track also with with uh, you know with an IMF program. So the, the issues were very clear for us. Uh, right. Put the pro put the program back on track and conclude the review with the IMF so that it would open the door for uh, more support. Yeah. Um, and and there were obviously other um, other reforms related to to governance issues related to uh, uh, as I said also you know working on the business climate so that we would attract uh, the necessary uh, um, uh, investment uh, that were needed for our major infrastructure projects and for our development. So the, the work was pretty much uh, for me. The, the work was, uh, sorry, the work was pretty much. Um, I would say, uh, cut and clear. Yeah. Uh, but it's really the, the first moments were really were. I think the first moments were important for me to really get to understand uh, how I should prioritize my work and how I should go about it. How I how I should structure. Uh, my cabinet so that, you know, uh, we would have um, the reforms, we would understand what the main reforms are and, and, and mm -hmm. I would then, you know, and what should be the, 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 the most appropriate division of labor within the different uh, divisions of my ministry and also within um, my advisors in, in my cabinet. Mm -hmm. no, excellent. And what, what would you say are some of the biggest takeaways from your time in office? I imagine there are lots. <laughs> yes, there are, there are many, but I, I um, first of all, you know, it, this was, of course, uh, incredibly uh, rewarding, but also mm. incredibly challenging, of course, mm. um, because of the context, but also because of, uh, you know, the, the fact that uh, it, this department was never led by, by a woman before. Uh, mm -hmm. So you have to deal with all these um, uh, of course, the, the resistance, the reluctance of of uh, uh, of men, yeah. <laughs> both young and old. Um, but I would say that I would I would have three takeaways. The first one is uh, life is a marathon; it's not a sprint. Definitely, uh, mm. you know, there's no there's no lift to get to the to the top or to to elevate yourself. Um, I would say in positions of leadership. Number two is. Um, you always, always choose, you know, being respected over being loved. Uh, and I, I know that this was something I've always uh, stick to, even as a child. Uh, mm -hmm. And even, even if, you know, it means being unpopular at some stage, but uh, I think respect is, is really the thing that everyone must, uh, must cherish. Um, and the last takeaway is uh, sense of humor is a... Uh, weapon of mass resistance. Um, when I was in the Ministry of Finance, there they they, they have been difficult times uh, and, I, and, and I've always tried to, you know, to find a way to laugh it out, uh, yeah. even at my own expense, you know, but, but I think a sense of humor is definitely uh, <laughs> a, good, a good shield. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, you make an important point and I actually really love this idea of choosing to, you know, being respected over being loved. And I think on some level, the place to this idea of sort of integrity. Can you speak a little bit about, you know, sort of 
where that came from and what that looked like for you sometimes. You mentioned it's something you've you've known since being a child. Where did that come from and how did that play out for you in this role? Uh, I think it comes from character and probably also from, from seeing my mom. <laughs> Um, you know, she's um, she's a woman who has uh, spent her life uh, serving others. You know, because she 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 was a nurse um, before she uh, uh, she she she, um, she retired. Uh, so I've I've always seen her served people uh, and always trying to do what is what she believed was the good thing and the right thing for them. Um, even even if people did not necessarily always understand, um, and I think for so I've, I've I've drawn a lot from from her, of course from from how she she raised us and and how also uh, how she herself uh, lived her life. Uh, she was very adamant to do what she thought was good for herself and for her family, no yeah. matter what people would say. Um, you know, I mean, without, of course, uh, exposing her, uh, her, uh, her private life, but I mean, she, 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 she got divorced, um, uh, um, and, and in, in the environment where, uh, we are coming from it, at that time, this was, uh, this wasn't, this wasn't really, um, people didn't do that. Um, you know, it, it's a very patriarchal uh, society, and and also the the um, the community we belong to is very patriarchal. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's I mean it's fa- it favors men, um, and so but she decided that you know at some point if it wasn't uh, if it wasn't if the relationship was not okay, uh, it's better for me to leave. Uh, despite all the comments, despite all all despite all the things that people said. Uh, and 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 how also people behaved, and and so I, I believe that this has probably really this is something that I, I um, even though I, I mean I was younger I was a teenager but I I mean I was also um, I think old enough to understand these things and um, I understood that uh, you need to you need to be strong enough to do what you believe is right for the mm-hmm. many. Um, and no matter what people people would say, because at the end of the day, it's always you know the dislike. Is, is, is a short-term thing. Uh, at the end of the day, people eventually understand, and then, you know, the, the uh, I would say the love comes afterwards, but, it, but yeah. I think it's, 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 it's worth, uh, it's important to really believe in yourself and, and, and um, not being driven by what people say. Uh, and, and, and I think, and I, I want to stress the point that uh, this is, I think, I believe particularly true in the area we are living now, uh, when I was growing up, growing up, growing up, there were no social media, you know, all these things, and mm-hmm. and now I I believe it's even more difficult for people, for for some people to really be selective and and um, make the difference between just the surface and 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 the substance. Um, so yeah, always choose, always go for respect. <laughs> always. That's my. That's that's amazing, and I want to thank you first of all for even you know, being open to share that story with us. I really appreciate that. And for me, it's just, it's hit home so well. And I'm like, I I just need to unpack that um, and figure that out a bit more. Um, So again, thank you for sharing that um, with us. So one thing I wanted to ask was, you know, as um, Minister of Economy and Finance, right, I'm 159% certain that 
you had to make some really difficult decisions, probably on every single day. And I was just wondering, what were some of the principles that guided, you know, those really tough decisions that had to be made? Uh, as you rightly put it, you know, being um, a, an economy and finance minister is not a pleasant job. Mm. Um, and I like to to say it, and I particularly, you know, in the current context of my own country, Guinea, I keep repeating it to the young people, to everyone here, uh, because it seems, you know, it's, it's, it's some people view these positions as uh, being the holy grail. Everybody wants to become a minister uh, yeah. without even without even knowing what it means and without even understanding the res- the huge responsibility uh, that that then rests um, on your shoulder um, and so I keep telling them but this hey hang on this is not a pleasant job you know uh, go beyond the the supposed the, the, the allegedly uh, privileged and, and 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 really look at what it means it's a huge responsibility. Uh, you have to, and when you are there, you are there to serve. Um, I, I like the the English term, you know. Um, I mean, minister uh, is a civil servant, uh, and I like that that English word, civil servant. Uh, and when you look also at the, the etymology of that word, which is which comes from Latin, it means to serve. You know, ministers were uh, uh, serving God initially. I mean, it, it's really taken from the con- from the religious context. And I think it's good to go back to basics sometimes and to go back to the true definitions of word. You have to serve. So obviously, every day, I mean, I, I can't, it was always difficult there. You always had to make difficult uh, decisions. Uh, and, and one, ex- I mean, for me, the cases that were difficult were when I had to say sometimes no to to the highest authority yeah. um, because I knew that some of the things um, uh, sometimes that were pushed on my desk were were pushed by uh, uh, people with vested interests that uh, and people who didn't have uh, the interest of my country at heart, um, and so I had to say no. Um, and but you know, at, at the end of the day, what makes the decision less difficult is the guiding principles I would stick to, and these are three main guiding principles. Number one, do what is lawfully right. Number two, always think about the many, the majority of the people, uh, their well-being, the impact that it would have on them, and number three. Um, you know, look also at the value for money as a finance minister. This, this, this is something you have to, uh, you, you really need to understand. And is it, is it, is it something that, 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 you know, that brings value for money? Is it, is it something that is good financially speaking also for the, for the country um, in, in, the, in the medium to longer term? Um, so I would say that these are really the three things I would always keep in mind, you know, is it, is it right? Um, does it serve the, the majority of the people? Um, and and I've, I've always, uh, yeah, I think that this has helped me <laughs> face the, the many storms. Yeah, um, but, but But again, it is, not, it is not a pleasant job when you understand the responsibility, when you understand that whatever you do has impact on the, on the people you yeah. are supposed to serve. And you need to serve with selflessness, integrity and commitment mm. um, you, you you and I used to say you know to my staff there 
uh, that uh, we are here to serve our citizens and our economy. We are not here to serve our pockets. So yeah. I knew that, of course, some of them would just look look at me thinking that this one is crazy. Um, but I think it's, it's always, um, and, I, and I made a point of always preaching that and practicing it as well. As well, that's that's fantastic. And I mean, you you one of the questions I had for you, which you sort of touched on a little bit, was you know sometimes some of the things that may come you know on your desk uh, may not necessarily have the best interest of all at heart, or sometimes may serve some sort of short term interest to gain some you know you know something political gain in the short term, but maybe not necessarily might be the best thing in the long term. I was just wondering. In some of those instances, how did you make or manage the trade-off, right, between what could potentially be good in the short term but not so great in the long term and the political implications of that um, for you as, you know, someone that was working in that space? Hmm. It's, um, well, I think that there's something that you also need to understand, you know, it's that, you um, you need to you need to be able to look at the bigger picture sometimes, and you also need to uh, to understand that you can't win all the battles as well. Right. Uh, you need to pick your battles, um, yeah. and uh, in order to win the war. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so, what was sometimes also difficult for me was you know sometimes to to let go on some things, mm-hmm. um, and and really focusing on on what would matter. So again, I think it goes back to the, this, um, this ability of prioritizing, this ability of um, thinking through, you know, uh, on, on, about the context uh, and, and what, to, what to really pick and, and focus on and, and some things that you had to just let go. I mm. think this is the, um, and, and, and it's part of, uh, I think it's also part of, you know, the, the process of growing up. Uh, as an adult, you understand that you can't have it all. <laughs> you can't have your cake and, and eat it. And, yeah. and there, are, there are things that you need to, um, yeah, just leave, leave it and, and, and focus on. Uh, I mean, it, sometimes I, I, I understood that I had to um, maybe uh, let some political, uh, I mean, let politics uh, I mean, take into account uh, uh, political considerations in yeah. order to focus on the on the bigger picture that would uh, probably uh, help us uh, gain, uh, help us have gains in the medium to longer terms. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think. The, the, but uh, yeah, the idea the idea is the idea here is that you you have to pick your battles as well. Yeah, pick your battles to win the war. I mm-hmm. love. That. So I think. I think it was once uh, Prime Minister of Lesotho, uh, Prime Minister Majoro, who once mentioned how challenging the job of finance ministers can be, because I think quite, especially on the continent, was quite a lot of your time is spent on, you know, reporting back to donors, managing donor relationships and deliverables, securing more funding, which is a lot of work. So basically, essentially, I've been told that you don't always have all the time to ponder alternatives and even sometimes all the information when making decisions. Would you say that's something that was true during your time? And if it was, how, how did you manage that? Were you able to manage that? 
No, it's, he, 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 he is definitely right about it. And uh, I should know better because I spent uh, 15 years working for the European Commission, which is, I think, <laughs> one of the major <laughs> development partners. Mm. Um, and, but even when I was working for the donor, I would really push uh, to I would really push uh, the, the donor community in the countries I've been um, uh, I've been posted to. Uh, I would push the donor community to really try to work together and be more coordinated. Uh, even though, of course, the quality of that coordination uh, 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 strongly depends also on on the national counterparts. But I think that in, when you look, when we look at the donor community, there's also a lot of um, things that we can still improve. Uh, you know, by really trying, for instance, by trying to um, agree on a, on a common set of, of, uh, of, of frameworks for the reporting so that, you know, the government would not have to do a reporting for each donor. Right. I remember, I, I remember, for instance, in Guinea, uh, when I was um, at that time, so when I was... Um, where was I working? I, I wasn't a, te uh, um, a technical. I mean, I was an expert for uh, in, on macroeconomics, uh, working for the EU. Um, and what we succeeded in doing, for instance, were to initiate a joint uh, field visits uh, of the IMF, the World Bank, the um, Agence Française de Développement, the African Development Bank the EU, uh, uh, and, and so that when the IMF would come, we would all join the, the um, I would say, the, the, the mission. Uh, and, and, and the idea behind that was first to uh, increase also our agency and our coordination. And number two, the idea was obviously to uh, lessen, I would say, the burden um, on government shoulders in terms of reporting, in, in terms of also meetings, and, and because it takes a lot of time. And, and, and when we look at some, uh, when we look at the capacity, uh, the institutional capacity in, in many of our countries, um, I mean, it has improved, of course, over time. Um, but I remember that 20 years ago, uh, this would be really a burden on, on, on government side. And so we were able to do that. And, and I think this was really, this has been successful uh, because at least it, it gave us also a common framework uh, mm. to engage with government at that time. Um, so I, I agree, I fully agree with him. Um, I think the donor community really need to um, to be more coordinated. Uh, some donors also need to understand uh, that sometimes you need to learn how to be a silent partner. Um, and again, coming back to my years at the EU when I, uh, when I was working in Guinea again, I remember that, um, so it was in 2000, uh, 2006 and 2007, you know, our, our country was actually on, uh, again uh, going through turmoil. It was the end of the regime um, and there, there has been a, a military coup. Uh, and um, so what, what we did is that there was a lot of engagement in terms, of course, of, uh, uh, about the political transition. Um, and uh, we were working very closely with uh, the uh, United Nations uh, 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 agencies here on the ground. Um, and what we decided to do is to become a silent partner. That means that we, we would bring the, the, the funding. We would, of course, have a look at it because EU's, uh, EU's uh, money is, is taxpayers' money. But we decided to become a, a silent partner in, in the sense that 
it would also be easier uh, to coordinate amongst us. And I think that this was a very courageous uh, decision. Um, not everyone does it, uh, but I think we need to push also the Dada community to do that. Uh, you know, when, when we talk about development issues on the continent, especially, I believe that um, we, we, we ask a lot from governments, and I think that's, that's absolutely normal. But it also questions, uh, I think, the, um, the, 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 the delivery method of aid when it comes to, uh, uh, when it comes to development partners. Uh, there are also, I think, there are things that they can improve um, and um, they need, they need also to do their homework. That's, that's what I want to say. Mm, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's definitely important. And I mean, I just, it, I remember the first time I heard that, I was just like, oh, wow. Like, I don't think I ever thought about that. I don't think anyone really ever thinks about that. But we, there's, there's a lot more harmonization that is needed and a lot more strategizing around the best ways for some of these partnerships need to be because of the interest that's sort of for the country. It has to be what works for the country to be able to do what it needs to do um, rather than sort of several interferences and different frameworks and models and, you know, ways of reporting back on so many things. So thanks for sharing that. Now, I know you've been... Yeah, you've you've been credited, you know, among several other things for uh, leading to an increase in fiscal transparency in fighting corruption um, and promoting good governance um, during your time as minister in Guinea. Those are not the easiest things to tackle at all, much less to to do. Can you share a little bit about, you know, how you went about doing that um, and the factors that allowed you to be more successful in being able to achieve some of these things in your legacy? Yes, I have uh, actually an example that I think um, is um, at the inter intersection of uh, promoting good governance, uh, improving transparency, and fighting corruption. Uh, and it relates to public procurement, of course. <laughs> it's always the area, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So um, when I came in, in um, when I came into office, uh, my predecessor had initiated a an audit of uh, uh, procurements uh, of contracts that were procured. Um, I think from 2013 to 20 to 2015. Um, and so when I came into office, I finalized the audit and. Uh, we decided to uh, release the results, which wasn't seen. Uh, the, out, the findings were disastrous, um, and, and one of the key findings uh, was that uh, about 92% of the, the contracts that were procured uh, over that period uh, were, uh, were procured uh, on the basis of only uh, one uh, single offer. Uh, which wow. means that there has there there were no competition, yeah. And we know and we know what it means. It means that you cannot ensure, uh, you know, um, technical or fi and financial capacity of the contract of the contractor. Uh, you cannot be sure that you really got value for money, uh, since uh, most of the time it is based on negotiations, which are can be opaque. Uh, and, uh, of course, you cannot um, ensure that uh, you will get quality uh, in whatever needs to be delivered by the, the company that gets the contract. Um, and so, uh, so what I did first was to, uh, to release the key outcomes uh, publicly. 
uh, we went, uh, so we, we did that, of course, in, in the cabinet meetings, and then also we went to parliament. Um, we also released them on the website that I had just revamped. Um, and next steps was what, what should we do to address uh, the, 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 the great, I mean, the big shortcomings uh, uh, that uh, were revealed by this report. So I set up a task, a task, uh, a task team uh, that, uh, I mean, a team that was tasked, sorry, to, uh, to work on an action plan uh, addressing the, uh, the, the problems. Um, and um, one of the things we decided to do was to uh, first to uh, develop a, uh, an application uh, that would help us track on the, the whole process um, and number two, uh, we also, uh, I also, I decided uh, looking at what was done also in the sub-region because sometimes, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't require rocket science. It's just, you know, to just look around what was done. Uh, yeah. And if you think it's good, try to, uh, if it can be replicated as such, do it. Don't waste time. If it needs adjustment, then adjust. Uh, there was something that uh, uh, one of our neighboring countries was doing, and I thought it was very good, which was publishing a list of, uh, um, uh, you know, directly awarded contracts. And I said, oh, okay, this is very good. I'm going to do that too. Um, and so we did that, and it was uh, very regularly updated, and it would be published on our website. And it, this was never done before. Um, and what it... It, 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 it actually proved to be very helpful um, because, you know, people don't like to see names of their departments. And so uh, names uh, I would you would also see. So the name of the department, the name of the contractor, uh, the nature of the services or goods, the amount of the contract. Uh, people don't like to see that on paper. Right. Um, yeah. And so actually it, it helped me curb down on, on the contracting. Um, uh, and also, it, I think it put some some my colleagues, <laughs> in, my government colleagues, in restraint because then I they can say, imagine. "Oh, what is she doing this way? <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> is she for real?" Wow. And and so and so, you know, it's very simple, but it it has been very effective because it it helped me bring down the ninety two percent of directly award contracts to. Uh, about 30% um, when I left uh, the, the ministry. So it, it has been very effective. With the application, what it helped us do was to collect more data on all uh, public procurement activities of government. And every quarter, we would release a report uh, about you know, the, 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 um, the, the number of contracts, the percentage of open uh, tenders, the percentage of restricted tenders, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, and so this was, uh, this was done through the, the, the software. So it means that also, of course, digitization is key here. Um, because it helps you uh, getting more data. And so it helps you also track down on, on the reforms that you want to do. And, and it helps you, uh, um, you know, see whether you are uh, on the right, uh, on, the, on, the right um, on the right track or not. Um, mm -hmm. And so this, this is how we, we could do it. And so we decreased the number of uh, directly awarded contracts, which probably led to a decrease in, in corruption cases. Uh, we increased transparency, and this was uh, quite, this was, this has been actually commended by parliament, but also civil society organizations mm. uh, that were working um, 
in, in the field of, uh, of fiscal transparency. And, and what I wanted to do also with that was to empower citizens um, yeah. uh, actually to hold us to account, uh, because that, that's also very important. Um, but who does that? <laughs> you know, usually people would, try, would shy away from all these things. But I said, no. I say, my job is to give them the ability to hit me <laughs> if, 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 things, if I'm not doing the right thing. Right. That's, yeah. That was exactly my, my intention. I wanted to empower our citizens, our civil society organizations, so that you know, they would take up the, the lead finally and, 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 and look at these things and tell us, hey, listen, this is not going in the right direction. No, 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 you know, do this, do that. Uh, at least it's also a way to engage with them. And, and that's what is very important, especially in our countries. I think that the, we, we are talking a lot today about co-creation. Um, and I think this is one of the ways probably to, to build societies that will be more just societies that will be uh, inclusive, um, societies that also will perform better because they are inclusive, because they are yeah. diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that, yeah, at the end of the day, that, that's really what we, we should be aiming for. So, of course, yes, these issues are not, are not easy. Uh, but I think, again, you know, this is we are not here to do easy things. <laughs> because yeah. easy, yeah. we wouldn't be called upon. <laughs> um, it's because it is difficult uh, that I believe uh, I have one, one of my mentors who, keeps, who kept telling me during that time, uh, you know, because sometimes I would just sit and say, ah, this is, this is difficult. They say, yeah, but if it's difficult, that means that it is the right way, Malado. So go on, you know, go mm-hmm. on, keep on doing what, you, what you're doing. And I would, <laughs> I would keep on doing. <laughs> um, I had to mute myself a few times because I was just over here clapping and I'm smiling so hard. I think my cheeks hurt. I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is remarkable. And we were talking about choosing to do, you know, the tough things, the decision in and of itself makes sense but in certain contexts where it's it's not the norm you are really challenging the status quo and choosing to uh, do something different i'm wondering does this system still exist at the moment unfortunately no mm. when i left it collapsed mm. um because i remember i went on i went on the to check on the website a couple of times and this is really you know it was painful for me to see that um, because um, for me, this this has been quite an achievement. You know, it was never done before, um, mm. and and unfortunately, it was not continued. And 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 I, that's the problem also that we have. I think in in, in some of our countries, reforms are reversible. Yeah. It, it, it's not sufficiently entrenched uh, to to keep on and and to 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 go beyond. Uh, the, 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 the personalities of, of, of the people leading uh, um, ministries. Um, and I think that as long as we do not achieve that, that capacity to uh, really have uh, uh, reforms that, would, that will last, it, 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 we are not really, we, we, it, it will be difficult for us to make progress. Um, yeah. I mean, I was, yeah, I, I, was, I was sad to see that. Um, but um, I think that COVID somehow uh, may, uh, I think it, 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 you know, it has probably, uh, I, I mean, there were a lot of opportunities in this dramatic, uh, of course, pandemic, but one, and one of them is definitely uh, accelerating the, the 
digital transformation agenda on yeah. on our continent. Um, so I believe that uh, I hope it will be um, this work will 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 be will be done again. Um, yeah. And yeah, so you know, it's uh, that's such an important point, and it's also one of the sort of. Uh, pain points for me, right? As I think about, you know, as a young person looking to work in sort of this policy space and policy advising, there are lots of good ideas around the things that we need to do. But as you said, sometimes somebody can make a change, but it almost doesn't exist beyond the person. Have you, you know, over the course of time, you know, and reflecting on this or maybe seen it in other places, do you have some ideas as to how we can start to address this issue, right? Letting the good reforms, you know, exist even beyond certain people who may not necessarily be good, but have to operate within that system. What does it look like to have, you know, systems or countries where that's the norm? Is it even possible? It is possible, um, but uh, I think to make it possible, you have to, because you know when when you are at, at when you are in government, there's obviously always a tension between uh, politics and um, and the technical work, mm -hmm. um, and and I, and I, and I believe that you know when if everything is left only to uh, political decisions. That's where you know we probably find uh, uh, we probably found ourselves find ourselves in in that situation whereby mm -hmm. at some point cabinet you need, you make cabinet reshuffles uh, just because you are driven by political motives yeah. and and all the work that was done by those who are labeled technocrats is just you know uh, being put in 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 the bin. I think that we can we we can have both. Uh, we can really reconciliate uh, politics and also uh, uh, the work on the ground. Because at the end of the day, when you are a politician, when you are a politician, you need to you need to have results, yeah. uh, and those results are, are, are generally the uh, um, are, are being um, obtained by 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 people working on on the technique, people working really on the issues. Um, I, I believe that we can have a good mix in, you know, let's have a government that, uh, that, that, that have uh, politicians, but also people that work. <laughs> because at the, end of, at the end of the day, the population needs to see the impact on their living conditions. Exactly. Um, it, it cannot be all left to, to politics and, and, and just, you know, the, the surface of things. I mean, we have too many challenges to, to overcome, uh, to only let... Um, political uh, uh, reasons uh, uh, leading whatever we do in, in our countries. Um, so I, I think it's possible, uh, but uh, I think it requires also the will, a strong will, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, an unwavering determination. Um, and um, it needs support. I mean, some, some minister, I mean, when you do some reforms that are particularly difficult, you need the support all the way, no matter what. Uh, and and um, sometimes we don't have all the time, you know, in, in, in some of our countries. Um, yeah, I, I believe that, you know, politics trumps everything in, 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 in the wrong way. Uh, mm. And, and um, yes, but at the same time, I understand that if you were to, to make... Um, 
it's it's um if you are to 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 leave a, le- a legacy i mean power is also important because I think it's Obi um, Ezekwilisi who said that uh, she, she, she's been advocating for young people to get into politics uh, uh, in order to, to avoid being led by idiots. Uh, I think she has a, a very, very good way to put it. I'm not translating uh, it yes. correctly. Yes. <laughs> um, at the same time, you also need to understand that if you don't want to, if you want to be led by the right people, it's also important for us to get into politics. So, yeah, yeah the, the tension is, is um, I think it's a, it's a difficult one to, to yeah. manage because th- this is a difficult world. I personally have been thinking very hard about it. Mm. And, and I, I, I still believe that, you know, politics is, so, is such a difficult world. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think that I am fit for that. Um, but um, it is also the way to bring, I mean, good people need to get into politics so that they would bring also a wave of, 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 of um, uh, uh, well-intentioned uh, uh, um, uh, citizens uh, yeah. to, to lead ministries and, and, and to, to, get, to get results. No, definitely. You make a good point there. And I mean, I follow um, Madame Obi Ezekwesili quite a bit. And I know she started sort of a, a school around things like that. So it's just, it's amazing to see. And the forces she also has to go against are not exactly the easiest. So she's definitely yes. one of the people that we are rooting for. Absolutely remarkable conversation with Ms. Maladu Kaba, the former Minister of Economy and Finance in Guinea. If you enjoyed this chat, do come back next week to hear part two of the conversation where we talk about COVID-19, where we talk about finance in Africa's growth, as well as her advice to people in the development space moving forward. It's definitely a riveting end to this chat. So do make it a point to come back next week. But then, all too soon, we've come to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for hanging with us. Do not forget to share this episode with others and follow our social media channels to be kept updated on future episodes as well as the other publications that we put out. As always, I'm your host, Marina Well, and thank you so much for listening and spending this time with me. Until next week, stay well. Stay well.